0: here. I brought a bottle up, not to drink, because I'm one of those desert type people, but uh, I want to possibly use it as an illustration if I don't make a big mess of everything. So it's uh, great to be with you today, and um, uh, I've been a Christian now coming out 54 years. came from a non-Christian background, and um, uh, I always remember... And often reflect on the day that I came to Christ because I don't like to forget uh, the goodness of God, the ability of God, the uh, the amazing love and grace of God. Amen. And one of the things that Jesus brought is uh, he brought his love without us earning it or deserving it, but simply because that's his nature. And uh, we respond to who he is. And I remember a friend fi- asked me to attend a meeting in a tent. They had tent crusade meetings in the little town that I grew up and I was at work. I was, uh, uh, at those days, I was a, a, a carpenter builder and um, and uh, he invited me along to this meeting. Now, I came from a non-Christian background, so I had a considerably filthy mouth and uh, I had a very, very angry uh, disposition. And uh, uh, I was always kind of on the verge of exploding all the time violently and uh, simply because my upbringing was a bit rough and uh, we grew up in a family where there was a lot of uh, fighting and uh, anger and and abuse my mother died in my teen years early teen years my father had left and virtually a self-raising violent young person I remember went to this meeting after this meeting at the end of the meeting they the preacher asked anyone who wanted to acknowledge uh, Jesus Christ to come to the front. I wasn't too sure what he was talking about because if you come from a non-Christian background, you don't understand all the terminologies. And uh, I, r- I remember I went out to the front and he asked me what I wanted and I said, look, I don't know. So he said, you need Jesus. I said, well, that sounds good. And, uh, and they see you see, because when you're coming from zero, a conversation must ensue to find out. And uh, then he asked if he could pray for me. I was a bit nervous at that point because he lifted his hand up. My background, anyone lift the hand up, Uh, yours came up too, like that. And um, uh, so uh, he he prayed for us and God touched us that night. I never uh, fully understood what happened. I, I knew God. I knew he loved me. I knew this person, his son Jesus, had somehow in the complication of this religion, had uh, died for my sin. Uh, That was the zero foundation of my faith. I went home, uh, living by myself, got up in the morning, went to work. And while I was at work that day, one of the people, (coughs) workers, was carrying a jug of hot water, and he tripped and tipped it down my boot. I don't know whether it was circumstance. I don't know whether it was the devil inspiring it. I don't know whether it was God inspiring it to prove a point. I'm not going to go there. I don't know. All I know is w- hot water went down my boot. And, uh, and what amazed me more than anything else is I didn't react. <coughs> Second thing that, didn't re- uh, that amazed me is I didn't go into swearing and cursing and everything like that. And uh, from that experience that day, nobody had spoke to me about language. No one had spoke to me about anger. But I thank God that on the night of my salvation, I experienced a supernatural God. There were some things in following years that I had to face and I had to change. That's human responsibility. But I thank God that he did meet me in a supernatural way. And those two major areas in my life just dissipated from that day forward. And I mean from that day forward because I'm looking back 54 years. And, uh, and I thank God that um, when I lost my language, I lost three-quarters of it. And uh, what I had left wasn't very good. And uh, I thank God he brought me to my lovely wife, who did very well in English at school, English scholar, but also a librarian. So for 54 years, I had been in- educated and had filled up the three-quarters. That was missing, all right. And uh, after getting converted to anger, I do thank God that uh, he delivered me from that because it got me into a lot of trouble and uh, and it uh, brought me out of it. I'm telling you that because I'm not here to talk about religion, philosophy, social change. I'm here to talk about a God who's real. And he's real because I experienced him. And since that day, he has constantly proven his power and his love. I haven't got time to go in everything. I have been a pastor for now 47 years as well as in the early years I continued to run my business so I understood that as well in the first 10 years that I was a minister. So uh, I've come with a bit of background but uh, I come with the most precious thing is that Jesus is real and he's a transformer and I love him. Well I'm going to talk this morning about (coughs) the power of encouragement. Uh, When I was weighing in my heart what to talk to you folks about, this is a theme that comes across my heart uh, quite regular over the last 12 months. And uh, I'd like to talk about it this morning again. I I mentioned my testimony that I did discover that Jesus Christ is the ultimate encourager. Uh, When you get into despair and you really, really think that you've got to paddle your own canoe and make your own path in life, uh, particularly as a young man, and uh, and then you uh, you're, you're too proud to to tell anybody anything. I never told anybody anything, the struggles I was going through and all these things. I think they were pretty obvious actually, but um, but you keep uh, it to yourself. But then suddenly you discover this person called God. He's not a crutch. He's not an opium of uh, relief. He he is a living God, and he stands people up taller than they can ever. Uh, imagine. And uh, and I thank God for that. So I, I don't use my faith as a crutch. It's not a, an, an opium of the people. It's it's a, a reality and it's real. And I thank God that Jesus is the ultimate and supreme encourager. And uh, when I start talking uh, this morning about this subject, I want to cover some points about encouragement. Uh, you've got the notes there. And so you can actually see that there are three areas I want to cover and one is uh, um, how to encourage yourself Uh, the second uh, aspect is how to encourage one another and the third aspect is the the area of of how to encourage with foresight or with prophetic insight and I'll just go through these this morning and and try to get this concept of encouragement what is encouragement really well God really when he looks down at us, he wants to put courage into us to be who we're meant to be. And so we've got to appreciate that uh, I look back to when I became a Christian and and God visited me, and I didn't understand what it implied uh, as uh, as I was starting this journey, but I learned. Some people get saved through knowledge. In other words, they study and they get saved. I got saved through experience. Um, I wasn't looking for God. But God was looking for me, and I found myself in an environment where the Lord could um, uh, really meet me, and he could become an encouragement. And I learned early on that God is a great encourager. Amen. He, he doesn't just come to you when everything is going bad. A lot of people think that you only need encouragement or you encourage somebody when they need it, whenever when all the wheels are falling off. No, people need encouragement uh, all the time. We need encouragement when things are going well uh, to basically um, encourage us, I guess, to aspire to greater things or to settle some disturbing thoughts or emotions that are running across our heart. Encouragement is a powerful force. And if you look into the Bible, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, you'll see that that the Lord was always encouraging. When Moses was appointing Joshua, you know, some three and a half thousand years ago to take leadership from him, God spoke to Moses and says, Encourage him. Encourage him. Joshua was already a strong young man. He was already expanding and growing and taking leadership responsibilities in a nation of two and a half million people. But uh, when he was going to be handed the leadership, God again says to Moses, courage Joshua as he takes leadership from you. Courage him. Speak into him. Commission him. Put around him, amen, some words, amen, of possibility and change that can happen around his life. So I like to pick up this subject. The verse that I want to read, and there are a lot of them in the New Testament, but just one found in Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily. The reason I use this is I just want to isolate encouragement being received, encouragement being given as something that we just uh, do when, when the wheels fall off or something goes wrong. It's, it, it's, a, it's a kindness that we are expressing, it's the support that we can give, it's the example that we are displaying, it's a, it's a daily thing, it's the way we live, it's the way we communicate with one another. And it's very, very important because somewhere along the line, people do face difficult circumstances. I think of your pastor at the moment with his mother and that difficult circumstance. It's not a matter of just um, speaking, it's how do you give encouragement. Some of you have the great capabilities here of taking meals around, amen. Just doing that without even opening your mouth is a powerful encouragement. It's just what you do out of who you are and the gifting and the talent and the bent of your own heart and life enables you to be an encourager. But also, what about the times when you need to be encouraged? I remember one great preacher, who's now the leader of Hillsong Around the World, Brian Houston, he made a comment uh, some... Um, Uh, time back, he says, the people you think least need the encouragement probably need it more than you think. And that's true. And it's not a matter of what you observe from a person's mannerisms. It's what you actually uh, do as a part of your uh, personality and disposition of life is to always rise up and be an encouragement. Now, I know we have people with different personalities. Some people are just affectious that's who they are the minute they grew up and uh and started touching life they're always glowing others just by personality don't glow so much is that a nice way of saying it amen and uh you know you're not overt you're not out there uh you're a little bit of quieter therefore that tells me that encouragement comes in different modes amen as some people do it, you know, with that infectious nature. Others do it more quietly. They do it probably more practically. They do it in the out of their personality. So I'm not asking anybody to fit into a particular mode here. I'm saying that we learn to give beyond ourselves. When we encourage a person, we give them courage and confidence to stand tall and to do something. Encouragement comes, I believe, in a powerful way when we recognize first of all that we can encourage anybody anytime and that also that we are recipients to receive encouragement and uh, and uh, encouragement stimulates hope and stirs a self-belief and moves a person to positive action that, you know, that that's good and it doesn't have to be this overplay i live uh, we live in a world today where you know encouragement can become negative did you know that encouragement can be really really negative you know i look down you know my brother here on the front row looking very serious at the moment and i want to encourage him so he you know and i say listen brother do you realize that you can be an apostle to mars you know you're going to be on a shuttle within 10 years going to mars amen or maybe I can look over here and, and, and see one of these young ladies and say, you are going to be the President of the United States. Man, I say, oh, that's good. But you can't. you know why? Because you're not an American citizen. You see, so we can give encouragement, which is a, a, a little bit too fluid of trying to be positive, trying to, trying to get people, amen, to feel good about themselves. That is a negative because hope deferred makes the heart sick. So that type of encouragement is not healthy. But encouragement that is healthy is encouragement that comes with thought. Encouragement that comes out of your personality, of who you are. Encouragement that considers another person and wants to actually uh, enable them and empower them to be who they want to be. Verbally and actively gives someone positive support. It helps a person to reevaluate a situation and then confidently move on. People sometimes have got to do re-evaluation. My task over the last um, uh, 12, 13 years has been ministry amongst pastors and churches in New Zealand and overseas and missionaries. And uh, I get calls all the time. So I'm spending time with people who, who, who are leading churches and ministries and things like that. And I want to tell you, every single one of them needs encouragement. Uh, but it's very specific and very specified. And sometimes it's just sitting there. And if you ever come to a session with me, it's not a uh, uh, visiting a psychologist or a psychiatrist where you might have a half an hour or an hour. With me, it, it goes until uh, we hit the point. And my wife will tell you that I will sit with someone in a cafe and I'm there three hours later. Why? Because they got so many defense mechanisms. they got so many cliches they have to prattle on about. We prattle about everything. Amen. We talk and talk and talk. And somewhere in the process, we cross a line. And then we get to doing what we're supposed to do. Who wants to spend three hours with a pastor who knows everything? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Oh, well, the thing is, there's encouragement. And it always comes down to something that is specific at that time. So how to encourage oneself. I've taken a story here, and um, uh, we, um, I'm going to go through the three. The first one is how to encourage oneself. You say, why do we need to encourage oneself? Well, I, I have found with this scripture referring to King David, it's about 3,000 years ago, He's number, he becomes the number two king of Israel, but this is before he becomes king. And the previous king didn't like him very much and tried to kill him. So David is, on the, is a fugitive. He's on the run. He's had to leave his family, leave his job, leave his resources, and he's on the run. And he grabs a, a, gathers a, a group of 400 men plus their families around him. And we read this verse. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters who had been taken captive while David and his men were out doing a mission. Uh, Another uh, army had come in and taken all his family and all their resources captive. And so David's men on returning were very angry with him. Uh, But it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Uh, Another version says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abitha, the priest, the son of Abimelech, bring me the ephod. In other words, he wanted to inquire of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord, and God told him to pursue these people who had taken their families captive. The reason I bring this uh, story up here is this is an unusual type of event, but it is very important is there are times when there is no one around us. It's not constant. It's not all the time. But around us, you have friends. Young people have a lot of their friends. And we have got to get into the habit of of carrying with that friendship this ability to encourage, to inspire one another, to also sometimes uh, correct one another because correction is encouragement. But there are times when it's just you and you alone. And David here is out there, his men loved him initially, but something has gone badly wrong. First of all, King Saul is after him, wants to put him to death, and he's on the run. And then while he's on the run, something goes wrong, and his own men turn against him. And he's only got one thing he can do, and that is turn to the Lord and to look to God. And I wonder why, how can someone turn to God for encouragement if, if you haven't got a relationship or a a love of God echoing within your heart and within your life. And uh, the reason I brought up this bottle here is just to show you that when a bottle is full of water, pressure from the outside, you know, I'm squeezing that with a hand. I've got a fairly strong hand, and I'm squeezing that with my hand at the moment. And um, if you squeeze that, because there is a a faith and an encouragement and a confidence in Jesus Christ in your heart because he rules and reigns, the Bible talks constantly about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. It talks about being empowered by Christ. It talks about being filled with the love of God. It talks about being filled with the Spirit of God. It talks about us equipping ourselves with the Word of God, writing it on our hearts. Amen. Having the reality of God in us through Jesus Christ is like a bottle full of water. And when pressure comes, there's something within you, there's a strength and a capacity Amen. For you to draw upon, and David was like this. And as a young boy, one day he's looking after the sheep, and a bear came, and he, in his, in his strength and his God, he was able to to kill a bear that wanted to take the sheep. And a lion on a similar occasion doing the same thing. And David was able to deal with that situation because he had a confidence in God. Later on as a young boy going to the battlefield and a giant comes out called Goliath and everybody's afraid of it. David steps up. Why did he step up? Because his bottle was not empty. I'm just going to put this microphone down for a moment. but I've got to. Oh, brother. <laughs> this is a first. I'm going to put the lid back on to save a disaster, okay? But then you put take some water out and you find... no inner pressure to the same extent as when it was filled. And I'm just saying here this morning that we can encourage ourselves in God because there are times we face things, we face challenges, we do not have friends. I remember many years ago I have pastored six churches from small churches to the largest took over a church which was in very difficult situation once. And that's some 30 years ago now. And while I was looking after that particular church and starting to take it through this process of transition and healing and so forth, the pressures were enormous. And uh, because of the, the state at that time, I, there weren't a lot of friends. There weren't a lot of people to encourage. And the, all you had in the end was how full is my life? How much is Christ real within me? How much of Jesus and the various benefits of knowing Jesus do I carry? How much of the Word of God? How much of the love of God? How much of the confidence of God? How, can, can I meditate? Can I sort of rest back and sort of draw upon His strength? Or is there no God at all and I'm just here having to work it all out by myself? No, no, there is a living God. Amen. And so I go through these points here very quickly now. First of all, David remembered how important it was to focus on God during adver- adversity. And I believe it's important. Whether you're going through school in an education program and you're facing difficulties, you've got friends. But there's some times when there's only one option. It's you and yourself. But there's also God. Amen. It's not just you making the decision. There's a God who loves, a God who cares. He doesn't reveal everything, but he wants you to know. If you carry his capacity within you, the pressures will not squash you. Amen. Second point here is simply this. David recalled past times when God uh, God proved trustworthy and faithful. He even says in Psalm 77, he says, Yes, I remember your miracles of long ago. One of the things is to remember how faithful the Lord was in the past. And if uh, you say, Well, Pastor, what did you do? I remember back to some of the experiences. They cover the whole 54 years, but I go back to some of the early experiences I had when I became a Christian. Why was that? Why do I go back to that? because it reminds me of how supernatural, how powerful, how intimate, how personal God was. And when I'm facing things today, I can think back to times, and I say, yeah, God, you proved trustworthy. You came into that situation, and you helped. Amen. You opened doors. You providentially did things that I thought were impossible. You encouraged my heart simply because when I think back... To then, you're an encourager. So you're still the same today. You haven't changed. Ever got to the point where you think God's left you? Ever been there? Way back when everything was bubbling and sparkling, amen, God's there. But there's suddenly this pressure, this pressure on the bottle. And you've got to think back and say, well, God was there in the past. He hasn't never left me nor forsake me. forsaken me, so the only problem is my perception. It's not him. Amen. And we think back to some of the experiences in the past. David reflected on the word of God, and um, and we know that he he sought the priest and got some guidance. And he says, "What are we going to do?" And the priest told him, "He says, you know, you're to follow." And so he got direction from God of how to walk into the future. And so he reflected on the word of God, and it says through the encouragement of the scriptures. We might have hope, Romans 15, 4. But David also resolved to do something. One of the things that I have found from time to time, particularly in dealing with leaders and pastors, <coughs> is it's easy to come through these processes that I've just told, talked about here. But one of the most difficult processes is how do you become proactive to get yourself out of the dilemmas and the defeats and the brokenness of heart and god will always give you a word to walk out and to get out and to and to embrace a challenge and to step out in faith and to do something uh, that will take you out i'm going to move quickly because i can see the tiktok is talking and um and uh i I want to move on because i want to get to the last one how uh to encourage one another (coughs) The Bible is full of verses about encouraging one another. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another along towards love and good deeds. And again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. As I quoted earlier on, and I'll re-quote now from Brian Houston, it says, Everyone needs some encouragement. And sometimes people you think need it the least actually need it the most amen and i believe it's important to build relationships with one another and relationships uh, are pretty fluid pretty organic pretty flowing amen you cannot mechanicalize all relationships and say look you you've got to build you you build relationships relationships flow uh through just engaging with one another and so we build relationships and it says here let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another. In other words, as we bind together and relate together and talk with friends and open up to friends, you can't open up trustworthy. Uh, uh, open up to people you don't trust, uh, and so in relationships you build trust. But you can encourage one another. We need to understand a person's story and their individuality. I think in encouraging people. You know, you see someone at a distance, you see someone on television doing something, uh, and you think, oh, what's wrong with that person? But we don't know their story. And one of the most important things that I have found in dealing with people is to know their story. And um, and uh, because you don't know where they come from. You don't know why they're grumpy. You don't know why they got this weird way of looking at things. You think it's just because they're weird but they're not they're a human being who have come up through a whole lot of experiences in life a social background occupational background and they've come up through a whole lot of challenges and difficulties and what you're looking at is the person who's there at the moment but you can understand them a lot more if you know their history, you know their stories. I ask people their stories. I tell my story all the time. Why is that? So people know where I come from. I was pastoring a large church once, and a young fellow came out on the altar call. And those days, we used to dress in three-piece suits and ties and things like that. We got a little bit more raggedy since then. And, um, and, uh, And he came out, and I went down just to talk to him. And he was a young man. And uh, and I said, uh, "Can I help you?" He said, "You can't help me." I said, "Why is that?" He says, "Well," and he wasn't being overcritical; was just being honest. And he says, "You know, look at you." And he actually said it: "Look at you in your three-piece suit." And I thought it's a nice suit, isn't it? you know. And uh, and he, he says, and I said, "Look, um, do you mind if I just tell you a little bit of my story?" And he said, that's fine. So I just picked out a few juicy bits, and I got hundreds and hundreds of juicy bits, I tell you. I picked up a few juicy bits right back, pre-conversion, flowing into conversion, and just told him. And I remember he stood back there, and he looked at me, and he says, ah, you do understand. I said, yeah, I think I do. But I says, what's happened over the years is I have grown and changed. Amen. And we've got to look at people's stories and know their stories. And if we want to encourage somebody, you've got to know what they're carrying. And they're not going to reveal everything, we know that. But y- you can find out about people. You can ask questions. Amen. I discovered something about your son today that you didn't know. Yeah. I'm not going to tell him what it was, but I mean, and you stood there and said, He didn't tell me that. Ha <laughs> ha, but he told me. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah it's great because you ask a question, you get to know somebody. We encourage daily. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily. Amen. It doesn't mean you become overt and overbearing, but it's just the way you express who you are and what you are. Maybe sometimes we have to work a bit harder at communicating with people and caring about them. We need to avoid superficial encouragement. I mem- mentioned this earlier on, but hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we know with Israel, when they were going through difficulties of being taken into captivity by a foreign nation, you know, way, way back, uh, something over two and a half thousand years ago, and the whole nation of Israel was invaded by the what they call the Babylonians and taken into captivity. All the prophets got up and started giving encouragement by saying it'll only last two years and everything will be back to normal but the real prophet of god jeremiah comes along and said no it's not going to be two years it's going to be 70 years and uh but they said no 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 it's only going to be two years they given false encouragement and it did last 70 years and sometimes we can just speak off the top of our heads and uh, try to encourage people but we're not encouraging them at all we're just setting them up for greater hurt. And I have to deal with a lot of pastors and leaders who have been given what I would call <coughs> unwise encouragement. And uh, as the years go by, um, disappointment sits on the heart because the so-called words and prophecies and, and loose declarations uh, have, have come so loose uh, that they have discouraged them And they have to be deprogrammed to get back to the reality and then start doing what God's called them to do. Amen. The last one that I'd like to uh, uh, move towards uh, concluding on is how to encourage with foresight. And uh, i just like to... I feel strong to talk about this point today. (coughs) Uh, There's a guy in the the Bible called Barnabas. He's mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, Luke... uh, a doctor, a theologian, a historian that uh, connected with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament uh, a few decades after the time of Jesus, we see that um, Luke writes about this guy quite a bit in the book of Acts. The first time he mentions him is in chapter 4 uh, when Barnabas is in the church at, uh, at Jerusalem. But I reckon he only wrote about him because later on, You know, he was traveling with Paul, Luke was, and I guess Luke was asking Paul a whole lot of questions because he's going to write the history of the church. And so he said, Paul, who was one of the greatest people who encouraged you? And uh, Paul probably said to him, Barnabas. He said, I got converted in, on the road to Damascus, and he said, I, I went into, a, into the town and prayed and fasted for three days. And a prophet by the name of Ananias came in and gave me a prophetic word. And I spent three years in Damascus and Arabia, and then I came back to Jerusalem. And because previous to this, I'd been an assassin of the church and I'd be anti the church, when I came back to Jerusalem, Uh, Nobody wanted to meet with me. The apostles didn't want to meet with me. Everybody was scared of me because of my previous life. And they're all afraid of me. But he says, this guy, Barnabas, he comes up and he bubbles up to me and he takes a risk. And he takes hold of me and he brings me to the apostles and he introduces me. He says, he had a major impact on my life. He connected me with the leaders at Jerusalem. But he said, I was only there a few days and everybody started to hate me in the town. And so they took me down and sent me on a boat to Tarsus. And I spent about eight to ten years at Tarsus. And I was up there ministering amongst the synagogues and, and, uh, and, and, uh, the, and the new churches up there. And, um, and then Barnabas is in the church at Antioch. And he's a pastor there. And he thinks this church is a, a transformational church. This church is going to have an impact on the world. It's going to do greater things than even the Jerusalem church. And he says, who could help me build this church into a great apostolic mission church? And he thought, aha, Paul. So Barnabas trots off to Tarsus, finds Paul, and brings him back and brings him into the church. And he becomes a a ministry in the church. And then later on, he becomes released from that church into the Gentile world of missions, which has impacted the whole world that we have today. So if you want to know where we are today, you can jolly well look back and think that Barnabas was an encourager who took Paul, brought him to the apostles, later on brought him back to Antioch, got him into the Antioch church, which became the catalyst church that sent him out into the Gentile world, which we are the fruit of today. Amen. So I'd say Barnabas was a pretty good prophetic encourager. What did he carry? Well, you go back into Acts chapter 4, and that's earlier on than this event, and you see Barnabas is at Jerusalem, and you see he's living a life of encouragement. The church was running out of money. People had come in from the Roman Empire to a couple of festivals. Everybody got saved and filled with the Spirit, and Jesus was honored. And all of a sudden, people don't want to go home, so they're running out of money and resources, and they have to be fed. And so we find people are bringing money into the church to feed the people. And Barnabas, he's one of the guys who stands up there, and he sells one of his assets that he owns back, a block of land he owns at Cyprus. and He sells it, and he lays the money at the apostles' feet. And he, he sets the example, and he's the first person in the book of Acts that is mentioned by name other than the apostles. Isn't that great? Why is it? Because he's an encourager. And he's actually named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. But if you take that word back into the Aramaic, it actually means son of the prophet. And so you can take the combination of the two, that he's not only just a son of encouragement, he carries a gift of encouragement, according to Romans 12.8, but we see that he's also got a prophetic insight. He could see that in the life of the apostle Paul, that there was something. He could see it. And there are people here today, who have a capacity to see in young people, to see in other people, things you can see in them. Amen. I'm not talking about you coming up and imposing yourself on someone, but you can see, you can hedge about them and encourage them. There are many pastors in the ministry today, many pastors who, who have established new churches and, and, and have done great things. There are many business people in business today that I encourage. I encourage business people. I encourage anybody, anything that breathes or leave, uh, lives or has its being. Amen. I, I, I even encourage cats. Amen. One of my daughters has got a cat that hates everything and everybody, but I'm encouraging that cat to like me. And it cost me the other day, it cost me dearly with big scratches down, but I'm going to win. The cat's not going to win. Cats are the most stubborn thing on the face of the earth. They're so self-centered. You know, you, who agrees with me? Cats. You think they're nice, cuddly little things? They're only cuddly because it's personal benefit. <laughs> courage, courage. And so we need to encourage a man. Uh, people. And I see here uh, that with um, Barnabas, first of all, he was an example. Secondly, he discerned and foresaw potential in other people. we got to do that. Not everybody makes the grade on their own. Some people have the capacity to stick their head up and make the grade on their own. But they are very rare. Most people have someone, somewhere saying something, doing something, encouraging them in the course that they are taking. And it's not a matter of giving fluffy, over-emotional inspiration that's going to send them on a path of hope makes the heart sick, but you're going to send them on a path of purpose and direction. And I felt this morning that just to talk to you a little bit about encouragement. We must be recipients of encouragement, sure. It's not always easy. Some people find it easier to receive encouragement than to give it, but others find it easier to give it <coughs> than to receive it. Maybe build a balance, but let's encourage. Let's find encouragement in our own life as the musicians come up. Thank you. Let's find encouragement in our own lives with the Lord because God wants to make sure that the love of the cross. Jesus died on the cross. and I, I, I will never forget the day that I found Christ. I had to learn. I had to grow. I had to come to understand the things of Christianity. I had to learn that it wasn't by works. It was by grace. And that God took the initiative. And I'm responding to his initiative. I'm not trying to impress him. He, he's already impressed everything and everybody by dying on the cross. I had to learn that. And you have to learn these things. I had to learn what it was to relate to people. I hated people. I hated people. I didn't like people. And uh, when I got saved, I started to learn to like people. And then I sh- learned to encourage people. And uh, and I came from a raw background. And I- I've learned over the years what it is in the ministry, what it is to encourage people to fulfill their destinies, encourage people to walk a path that they may be hesitant on. I've encouraged people because you can see potential in them. Maybe they're going to have to go through a few difficulties and a few pains. That's fine as long as it enables them to fulfill what they're going to fulfill. Amen. And there are people here who carry a real giftedness of encouragement with prophetic insight. You can see potential. And so with wisdom, may God give you the wisdom. To encourage them could we stand please and uh, this morning I just like to pray first of all it's a simple message but God put it on my heart to be simple on this subject this morning I just feel the body of Christ has got to revisit again and again uh, this whole area of looking at other people more than we just look at ourselves have interest in the welfare of others more than ourselves. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't come for his own benefit. He came because of humanity's sinfulness, its despair. And he gave his life for humanity. He came as a servant, not as a king. He came to touch people. He came to love people. He didn't come to judge them or put heavy weight on them or hold their sin uh, in front of them and hold them uh, to a place of guilt and concern. He came to forgive sin. He came to cleanse hearts. He came to give new start. He came to give new hope. That's the Jesus that we serve. Amen. And if he came to encourage humanity, to turn to the heart and the love of God, what less can we do as men and women of God to encourage people to turn their hearts towards the Lord Jesus Christ, to turn their hearts towards God, to encourage them to rise up and to Find out who they are and what they carry, what they can achieve in life and in the community and in the purposes of God. We encourage one another. Amen. And I'm just going to pray right now. Amen. And I'm going to ask the Spirit of the Living God to touch hearts afresh today. First of all, with a sense of appreciation that Jesus came to fill your life to capacity like this bottle with his love, with his forgiveness, with his care, with his word, with his very spirit life, amen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may be filled with the love of God, that as you face your challenges, there is a God you can call on. And as you look around and see people around you, you can, out of that love of Christ, that person of Christ, you can encourage others and also be a recipient of courage, encouragement. And those here who carry that ability, and everyone carries it to some degree, but some carry it as a, almost a giftedness according to Romans 12:8. You know, he who's got the gift of encouragement, let him encourage. And I pray it will carry with it a prophetic, an insight, a perception to be able to help people to rise up to be who they're going to be. Let us pray now. Father, I just ask for these men and women and these young people here this morning. We're not just biological blobs passing through the world. We're not just part of a 7.4 billion population of this globe and we don't carry significance. I thank you, Lord, that every person here is unique. Everyone carries a uniqueness of your character, of your person, of your love. And I thank you, dear God, that you want to bless, whether they are young or whether they are older. Amen. Lord, your love is rich and real. And touch them in Jesus' name. Encourage them and empower them to be an encouragement to others. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, team. Hallelujah.